Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Olivier. As you're seated, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, we'll start in verse 53 and read down to verse 56. Mark 6. <clears throat> The Lord gives and the Lord he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And though the fig tree should not blossom, no fruit on the vine, and even though the olive crop fails and fields lie empty and barren, and the flock be cut off from the fold. And even though there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation, so I, so I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I ask, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Because I am sure, <clears throat> I am sure that neither death nor Life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, the outpouring of love and affection and support over the last seven days has been almost more than Connie and I could take. <clears throat> you have displayed yourself as the church of the Lord Jesus. God has been kind in every detail of us losing our son. Every card, every text, every message, every call, every post has been used by the Lord like a, like a, like a flotation device. Connie and I have been thrown into a sea of grief and we're drowning and y'all have thrown us these flotation devices. Look, we love you guys. We love this church. We love you as, as a wounded pastor and pastor's wife. We want to say thank you for uh, everything. There's a kindness. There's this, there's this heavy 
kindness that you have shown to us. Connie and I have been on the receiving end of all the good that Hickory Grove can do. Thank God for Hickory Grove. I thank God for Hickory Grove Baptist Church, the people of Hickory Grove. And I would ask you to pray for us as we go this week. Pray for us as we seek to gain some closure this week in a private family service that will hopefully either be the end or the beginning, but get us over the hump as we look forward to the future. Thank you a thousand times. Thank you from me and Connie. Now then, with your Bibles open, why don't we do what we came here to do? Read it and see what God would say to us from his word. If you found Mark chapter 6, why don't you stand or we'll read together God's word. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, I'll break it down to verse 53. We'll read from 53 to 56. It is a summary of sorts. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God Let's begin, verse 53. <clears throat> when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever they heard that he was. And wherever he came, in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that he might even, that he might touch, that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many touched it, were made well. Father in heaven, I pray you would give us that same grace. For every broken heart, For every person struggling, for all of the dark clouds of depression, for hopelessness, Father, I pray that by the wind of the Spirit, you would blow all of that away. We might see the blue sky of hope and forgiveness and joy that's found in Jesus. We offer this prayer to you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> From time to time, usually around my birthday or sometimes Thanksgiving, oftentimes at Christmas, I will get a text from a number that I do not recognize, but I'm supposed to recognize. Clearly, they know me. So I used to, when that would happen, I would carry on the conversation for as long as it took for me to figure out who it is I'm talking to. But you get to a certain age, you quit doing that, and you just decide it's okay to be abrupt. So now I just say, who is this? <laughs> and I've reflected on that when I came to this passage because it's as if someone has asked Mark, who is this? The whole chapter, chapter 6, is written, and we'll just sort of go back to it. We hadn't been there in a couple of weeks. Chapter 6 is written as if somebody has asked Mark, Tell me who this is. That's exactly what it does in this chapter. So if you are new to coming to church, this is your first time in a church or at Hickory Grove or you hadn't been to church in a while, you picked a really good Sunday to come back to church because here, let's just go through and see who Jesus 
is. Before I get to the passage, let's look at the chapter. There are several little sections from verses 1 to 6. Mark tells us that Jesus and his entourage went back to Nazareth, and there at Nazareth, he was rejected in his own hometown. The people that watched him grow up, grow up didn't want him there. And that's when he would say that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. In verses 7 through 13, Jesus gives power to the apostles. They go out and preach, and they cast out demons. They teach. They do miracles. Verse 14 to verse 29 is a little bit of a parenthesis because there is Herod who is hearing about Jesus. Herod is afraid that this Jesus is actually John the Baptist who had his head cut off. Well, Mark remembers then, hey, I didn't tell you all about John the Baptist, so he tells us the story about John the Baptist. When he gets done with that story, in verse 45 to verse 52, that's when we rejoin Jesus and the disciples. I'm sorry, in verse 30 to verse 44, that's when we rejoin Jesus and the disciples. Jesus feeds the 5,000. He becomes like the better Moses. He leads him into the pasture. He becomes the great shepherd. In verses 45 to 52, that's the picture when Jesus sends them off on the Sea of Galilee, tells them to go to Bethsaida. He goes up on the mountain to pray. That's when the storm descends. Remember that story? It's right before this one. The storm descends. Jesus walks on the water. It, it scares them to death. He gets in the boat. The storm goes away. They are astounded. They come to the shore, and that's where we pick up in verse 53. Up to this point, Mark has told us Jesus, this Jesus, is fully man and fully God. And in verse 53, 54, 55, and 56, it is a summary. If you were my age when you went through school and the teacher assigned a book and you didn't get around to reading it in order to not fail it, you certainly couldn't make an A do it, but you could at least get a C. And when I was in high school and college, C was for Clint. Very glad to have a C. You would, you would read, you would read Cliff's notes. Cliff's notes would give you at least an idea of what the book said. Now here's what verse 53, 54, 55, and 56, it is nothing more than Mark giving us the end of chapter 6, the Cliff notes. So what I want to do, what I want to do is it, 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 with as much precision and concision as I can, I want to give you a quick and clear picture of who Jesus is in these four verses. And if you're new to church, this passage is telling us that Jesus is Lord and you should worship him. Jesus is Lord and you should worship him. Let's do what we've been doing. Let's go through the... Uh, Let's go to the passage, just sort of walk through it very quickly. It's not very long. And then we'll come back and make some application. When you get to verse 53, it opens up with when they had crossed over. What did they cross over? That's the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has put them on the sea. They went through a storm. Jesus is back in the boat. When they crossed over, by this time, they had been through a really wild night. They came to a place called Gennesaret. It must have been a fairly large town because when you read it, they came to Gennesaret and they moored at the shore. They didn't beach the boat. They actually had a dock there. Gennesaret was a big town. It was big enough that a lot of people called the Sea of Galilee, they called it the Lake of Gennesaret. 
When they got there, verse 54 tells us that everybody saw who was in the boat. They recognized him in verse 54. And verse 55, when they did, the place really went frenetic. In verse 55, they ran about the whole region. They started getting sick people, bringing them over to where Jesus was. And then in verse 56, it's a little bit of a summary. Uh, Mark just tells us wherever he went, if he went into a village or went into a city or went into the countryside, everywhere he went, they laid sick people close to him in the marketplaces. And they did that asking, begging, if they could just touch him. In fact, this is, it's a famous phrase. If they could just touch the, the hem, the fringe of his garment. And then Mark tells us something amazing at the end of this chapter. As many people did that, whoever actually reached out and touched him, they were, you see the word? They were made well. That's the Greek word, S-O-D, so-zo, Z-O, made well. It's the word that Mark will use to describe what happens to someone when they actually come to Christ. So with that in mind, let's back up and see what kind of applications <clears throat> we can make. Here's the first one. Number one, if Jesus is Lord, he has all the prerogative. Do you understand the word prerogative? He has the right to do whatever he wants. He has all the prerogative. Let me show you where I get that. In verse 53, when you join the story in verse 53, we find out they have come across the Sea of Galilee and landed in Gennesaret, but that's not where they were headed. If you back up in verse 45, before they get in a boat, after the 5,000 have been fed, those people are trying to make Jesus king. Jesus gets his disciples in the boat. He tells them, get in the boat and go to Bethsaida. That's verse 45. They got in a boat thinking they were going to Bethsaida. They get in a terrible storm. Jesus walks across the water, gets in the boat with them, and they land in a different place. Gennesaret is completely on the other side of the Sea of Galilee from Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is where they thought they would be. In the same way, many of you in this room thought you were going to Bethsaida. I thought of going to Bethsaida. You were even sure it was God's will. You felt a sense of direction. You knew that the Lord was in it. And you went through a terrible storm. You didn't, you weren't destroyed. Jesus got in the boat, saved you from there, but you ended up at a place where you didn't think you would be. I promise you, this is not where I thought I would be. You know, I worked on this message uh, last week, had it done by Saturday when we got the news. And it wasn't until after I was reflecting on this that he has prerogative. He can take us where he, he's the potter, you're the clay. And a lot of you sitting here right now, this is not how you would have written the story of your life. This is not how you thought you would feel at this age. 
This is not, you're, you're in the middle of it, this is not what you would have asked for. In fact, some of you, you were told something. This is not what you were told. They were told they're going to Bethsaida, went through a storm that ended up at a completely different spot. There are a lot of you sitting right here. You have said it, or if you hadn't said it, you thought it. This is not what I signed up for. A lot of you went into a direction in your life. You felt like this was God's will. You felt like God was in it. You sensed that this was the right decision. You made the decision. You got in the boat and ended up in a completely different spot. You've landed in a place that you don't want to be. How do you... How do you live in Gennesaret when you thought you were going to Bethsaida? How do you do that? I'd like to offer up a couple of <clears throat> suggestions as Connie and I walk this with a lot of you. What do you do? I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Here's the first one, number one. Why don't you pray? Start praying now. Pray for joyful Joyful surrender. I don't mean just surrender. It's one thing to surrender. Is, to surrender sounds like I give up or I know I have lost. I am not the winner. That's not Christianity. I'm asking you to have a joyful, ask God to give it to you. To, to think of God's sovereignty. He is Lord. You've said it with your mouth. Now joyfully surrender. This Wednesday, we start everything back up. Awana starts back up. Our student ministry starts back up. Foundations start back up in the event center. <clears throat> we, we laid all this out months ago. I start teaching Wednesday night. In fact, I wasn't even supposed to. I'm supposed to be speaking somewhere, but I've canceled that. I'll be here Wednesday night. And you know what my assignment was from months ago? This Wednesday, I'll be teaching the book of Job. Now, we didn't just think that up. God assigned that months ago, knowing that this would happen. And you know who's going to benefit most from what I got to do to get ready for Wednesday night? It's me. A joyful surrender to what God is doing, trusting in the good and sovereign hand of our God. Here's the second thing. I want you to get close. Get close to God and stay close. Get close. If you're not close right now, then we need to do something different than what you're doing. If you keep doing what you're doing, it's not working. So, so whatever it is that you're doing to maintain some sort of closeness to God and you don't sense that, you're not growing as a Christian, we need to change your behavior. Does that mean changing what you're doing with the Word of God, who you're meeting with, in some sort of discipleship group, being involved in a community group, sitting closer on a Sunday? Singing to the Lord? What, what is it? What has to happen to make it so that you are getting close and staying close? I'm going to give you a third thing I think that's going to be helpful when you think about God's prerogative. <clears throat> that is to, to seek, seek contentment in Christ. 
seek to find your satisfaction. If, if, you can ever, if you can ever get there, if you ever get to the point where you're absolutely satisfied in Christ, you are much less prone to fall to temptation. You're much less prone to have your life crushed when something goes terrible. It's because you are founded on the rock that is Jesus. Seek to find your contentment. One of the great things that has helped me, and oftentimes I pray for people that may have prayed it for you, I'll pray that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. That's from the Bible. Pray, the joy of the Lord would be your strength so that the good joy of God becomes that which makes you able to stand up to anything you face. Let me give you a fourth one. <clears throat> you need to find a way Find a way to serve the church that God has given you here. Find a way. There are a lot of people who come to church at Hickory Grove who come in on a Sunday, and I'm glad that you do, and we participate, we sing, but never actually then take another step into finding a place where you can invest your life. Find a place to serve in your church. Let me give you another consideration <clears throat> under this prerogative. Number five, that is to be to be thankful to be thankful. Start small. Let's say you don't feel gratitude in your heart right now. So you may not. You may not. When you start small, thanking God for the things you can see. So you thank God for the shelter over you at home. If you have a car to drive, thank God for that. If you have food to eat, if you have a job, thank God for that. If you have people that actually love you, if you have family that's close, start thanking God for the, and then keep moving that gratitude toward things that you are not naturally thankful for. Until you can take the gratitude, until you can take that and turn it over to that which has caused you the worst pain. Thank God. Be thankful. If you, if you want a way to uh, maybe consider this, you could put it in some alliteration. Let's just put R's. So I'll go through and give you a couple of R's. Here's the first one. We need to redeem the time. Redeem the time. That's from the Bible. Redeem the time, but the days are evil. Redeem the time. Find a way to not be bored. What do you used to say? That, that idle hands at a devil's workshop, that's the truth. Find a way where you can take advantage of what God has given you. You have X number of days to live on this earth. You have one chance. Redeem the time. The second R is to, to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what God has done for you. Rejoice in the blessings that you can see. Here's a third R. Remember the cross. Let's say you can't focus. Then here's a good place to start. We did this last Sunday when you had the Lord's Supper. We remember the cross of Jesus. If you wonder, if, you, if you're loved, think of the love of God given to us in Jesus and at the cross, something happens. The wrath of God is taken away because it's all poured out on Jesus. And the righteousness that Jesus earned as a human is given to us. So we are not only forgiven, we are made holy. Think about the cross. Let me give you another R. Resolve not to grumble. Now look, some of you have been so... Some of you have been through some really unfortunate, I mean some stuff. And it's, hard, and it's hard not to think. I mean, honestly, it'd be hard for, for Connie, and I, Connie and I not to think, why us? 
you, you got to resolve in your heart. You maybe even need to start right now to, you're not going to be a person that says, why me? You see, because the, the clay doesn't say to the potter, why did you make me like this? The potter, you see, has prerogative. He has all the prerogative. I'm going to give you another thing to consider. Come down the page a little bit to verse 54. Here's the second thing uh, about Jesus, and that is he is the friend of sinners. So thankful, verse 54 and 55, he is the friend of sinners. I'm sure where I get that, verse 54 and 55, when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people to him. Notice when they recognized who Jesus is, they didn't run the other way, they ran to Jesus. Paul Tripp tells us that Jesus gets on the shore. When Jesus comes to the shore, he is immediately confronted with the dramatic brokenness of the world. All around you see people that are broken. Jesus gets on the shore and he looks all throughout and there they are, the broken people. As men and women that have, who have been redeemed by Christ we need to model this. There is brokenness all around. We need to be in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. If Jesus is the friend of sinners, then we are the friend to sinners like he is, except we are friends with sinners to bring them to the Savior. How do we model this? We model it with hospitality. Man, I have felt this in... We model this with genuine concern. There have been people that say, I don't know what to say to you except to say, well, I'm sorry. That's enough. How do we model it? We model it with generosity. We, we model it with gospel clarity to make sure that we're doing these things for a reason. We do this because we are sinners saved by God's grace at the cross and we want to see people come to the cross of Jesus. So, so Christ has all the prerogative. Here's the second thing. He's a friend to sinners. Let me give you a third thing. Number three, he is worth the effort, the effort. Look at all the effort in verse 55 and 56. Just look at all of the activities, all those verbs. Let me just read a couple of them to you. Verse 55, and they ran about the whole region. They started to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was Wherever he came, in villages and cities and countryside, they laid the sick into the marketplaces and they begged that they might touch even the fringe. Notice the descriptors. There is an urgency. They ran about. We should have an urgency for people without Christ. There's some intentionality. They brought people to Jesus, broken people to Jesus. There is some intentionality to the ministry that God has given us. There is some inconvenience. There's some inconvenience. Sometimes God calls us to do, I mean, here is a picture of people picking up those on sick beds. So you have at least two people, one in front, one in back, maybe four, one on each corner, taking this person. It's terribly inconvenient. Working hard to get people to Jesus takes genuine effort. 
Look, it is amazing to me what, a, what one jolt of Christian effort does to a church. Verse 55 says that, that there is this inconvenience that wherever they heard he was, so they get rumor, rumors on the wind, they find out that maybe, he is, maybe he's down the road. They, 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 they search out the correct information and the location, and they get broken people to Jesus. One of the prevailing things that the gospel does to hearts is it reminds us that Jesus Christ is worth the effort. Don't stop. Don't stop praying and asking and pressing into people's lives. Don't stop with the uncomfortable conversation and the genuine care. He's worth the effort. I'm going to give you a fourth thing I found in this passage. I had to stretch a little bit to get it, but it's there. Number four, he is our only righteousness. Our only righteousness. Let me show you where I get that in verse 56. You, you've seen it. It's probably the most famous part of this passage. It's when people were begging verse, at the end of verse 56. They were imploring him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it were made well. I'll get to the made well part in just a moment. Before I do, though, I want you to notice what they're reaching for, the fringe of his garment, the, the hem of his garment. It's probably better translated the tassel, the tassel of his garment. Because every law-abiding male Jew would wear a robe, and in order to show that he's keeping the law, on that robe at the very end, four tassels in blue. This is handed down from God to Moses in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, verse 38 and 39 says, A cord of blue in the tassel on each corner, it shall be a tassel there for you to look at and to remember the commandment of the Lord. So here is Jesus Keeping the law, a symbol of him keeping the law, is that tassel. And they were reaching out to touch that which signified the obedience of Christ. Now look, this is important for how we understand Christianity. When you think about Christianity, I hope that you don't have the, the idea that you need to just start being good, if you'll be nice, if you'll do enough. If you'll be good enough, if you'll get your life together, if you'll quit some of those things you were doing, some of the people you were hanging around, all of that might be good advice. But without the righteousness of Christ, you're still going to go to hell, just a nice person. Christianity doesn't say you need to start being good and God will accept you. Christianity says you need to realize you can never be good enough. Reach over for the righteousness of Christ. Christianity says you will die and go to hell because of your sins unless you take and see that Christ went to hell. He took the wrath of God. He's the only one righteous. Look, you don't, you don't work toward grace. You work from grace. You work because of grace. What did Paul say? Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, he said, I want to be found, I want to be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. This is how God can be holy and demand holiness and still love us because you are covered with the righteousness of Christ. This is how God saves sinners and still maintains a demand for holiness. The holiness is not you. The holiness, our holiness, is in Christ. What I'm trying to tell you today is that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're a guest, I want you to know you should, you should worship him. You should worship him. But if you do, you, you realize he has all the prerogative. He does what he wants with who he wants, whenever he wants. But he is the friend of sinners. People don't run away, they run to. That Jesus Christ is worth the effort. If you know someone that is without Christ and God has put you in their life, it's worth your effort. But it's good to remember that it's, it's, it's him. He is our righteousness. I'll give you one last one. and We'll pray together. Number five. He reverses the curse. Reverses the curse. Adam and Eve, the very first man and woman, fell into sin. When they did, all of humanity would follow. It wasn't just humanity, it was creation. We live in a fallen, broken world. It's why Connie and I are going through what, it's why you've been through what you've been through. We live in a sinful, terrible, broken world. And into this broken world, Jesus Christ comes and there is a signal and a sign that in Jesus Christ, everything broken will be restored. Here's a picture. That's why the miracle stories are here for us. Here is, this, here is this physical picture of a spiritual reality. Every miracle in the New Testament is given to us to show us that everything broken one day will be restored. Even you. There's no disease. Look, look, there's no disease. There's no hurt. There's no sin. There's no dark hole that you've got yourself into. There's no addiction, there's no cancer, there's no loneliness, there's no abuse that the Lord Jesus won't one day make new. Not long for Christmas time, and one of the great Christmas songs is written by Isaac Watts. We know it as Joy to the World. The opening stanza is Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. But it's the third stanza of that song that for some reason ministered to me this week. It goes like this. <clears throat> no more, no more let sin and sorrows grow or thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. As far as the curse is found. As far, as far 
as far as the curse is found. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ reverses the curse. He is Lord, and you should worship him. Join me as we pray together. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would be close to the brokenhearted. Pray that you would heal wounds. Father, I pray that you would drop the scales from the eyes of those that have not yet seen the goodness of God. Father, I pray that you would call people back from sin, that you would call people back from depression, that you would call people back from brokenness. I pray that your grace would not only wash away and forgive sins, but would restore and heal. Father, I pray that the wind of the Spirit would blow all of that away, that we might see the beauty the beautiful blue sky of your grace found in Jesus and might rejoice in how good you are. We thank you for it. We ask you to hear our prayers. We ask them now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand please and we sing together.